Engage for Success Radio, raising the profile of employee engagement and shining a light on good practice for people who believe there's a better way to work. Hello and welcome to Engage for Success Radio show number 494. Engage for Success is a not-for-profit movement and the UK's leading voice on the topic of employee engagement. We're raising awareness and running events through our area networks around the country and our topic and sector-specific thought and action groups, developing research, publishing case studies and shining a light on best practice. Visit us at engageforsuccess.org to learn more and sign up for our weekly newsletter. So, hi, my name is Charlotte Dahl, and I'm the Creative Planning Director of Woodread. Woodread is a specialist creative agency. We use the tools, techniques, and insight-led approach of the advertising and marketing world to help our clients create great places to work, high-performing cultures of engaged employees. I'm also a volunteer for Engage for Success, and as part of that role, I occasionally step in and interview special guests on the show. And today's guest to me is very special. Apart from being the Chief Digital Officer of the EMEA Region Publicist Group, author, coach and founder of Flourish Global, all of which she combines with being the mother of four children, she is also my best friend. She is a truly inspirational person, both as a leading woman in business, as well as a friend. So I'm so honoured to be able to talk to her today as we discuss balancing productivity and well-being. Bianca will share with you how to, how to develop your own peak productivity plan while putting well-being at the centre. So welcome, Bianca. Um, how are you today? Thank you so much. What a lovely introduction, Charlotte. I'm absolutely delighted and privileged to be here. Thank you so much. Brilliant. Actually, I have to just say for full disclosure, many, many years ago when Bianca and I were little, um, we actually recorded our own little radio show that we called the Bianca and Charlotte Radio Show. And it's funny that we've almost come full circle. And now Bianca I and I are doing our own grown-up version of the <laughs> Charlotte Radio Show. So it's a really special day for me, this. And let's hope the substance today is a little richer than that we created when we were teeny, teeny little girls. Let's hope so. Can you just start by telling our listeners maybe a little more about you, Bianca, and your work? Yeah, absolutely. So I'm currently heading up digital for Publicist Group um, and have had an interesting journey to get to this uh, stage of my career. I call myself an accidental entrepreneur, set up a personalised gift business back in 2004 and just leaned into technology and uh, created a, a thriving commerce business, an omni-channel business, and spent a decade really learning that with the right attention, focus, and energy, you can create anything you so desire. Um, I coupled that adventure with becoming a mother. So at one point, I had four children under seven and a, a rapidly growing business, which again was an interesting experience on self-management in terms of delivering impact, maintaining productivity and not burning out. I sold that business in 2013 and then fell into the corporate world, which has also been an interesting foray into managing organisational um, expectations whilst honouring integrity and personal value sets. Um, I'm very excited to be working for Publicist Group now because um, we're an organisation of 120,000 people where entrepreneurialism and self-management, self-leadership, self-direction is really encouraged. So, yes, we're a large global institution, but employees really are encouraged to manage themselves for maximum impact. 
And I'm really sort of leading the helm, yes, in terms of the digital agenda across Europe, but also in terms of that talent and cultural agenda of how we can hold ourselves accountable to maximise that impact that we, we need to have to show up in the world, both at work and personally, and how we can find the congruence to feel fulfilled and satisfied and, and deliver impact. So um, uh, we're setting up a, a coaching realm of uh, publicists at the moment. Um, I'm an author and constantly write about um, well-being and it's my passion to research that agenda and just really help individuals and organisations flourish. Brilliant. Thank you very much. I know that given the pressures that, that you deal with and, and how much you manage to um, to achieve, I know that productivity is something that, that's really close to your heart. And I want us today to maybe explore the topic of productivity, um, especially given that there's been a lot of debate on LinkedIn recently about a number of very high profile organizations who now seem to be slightly U-turning and demanding um, a return to the office policy. And this is despite the CIPD and other bodies reporting that home working has actually increased productivity. You know, why do you think these organizations are re-looking at their, at their, at their policy regarding, regarding hybrid working? It, it's very simple. If we look at the statistics of burnout, one in four individuals, one in four adults uh, in the UK alone this year will be signed off sick through burnout. So yes, the statistics are correct that productivity did increase as the pandemic locked us all down in our homes. But it was a frenetic reaction, almost a panic of how do we retain our jobs? How do we keep the businesses going? How do we keep the machine, the cognition of everything still rolling? And actually, by the end of the, the first series of lockdowns, on average in Europe, we were working around 11 hours a day. And that just became a bit of a default because we didn't have the clear delineation between work and home. And so we the, the lines were blurred, but actually that started to become more and more dangerous because then as we started foraying back into the workplace, we were baking in commute time and actually still there was an expectation of delivering eight hours, uh, 11 hours of output a day, and it's just unsustainable. And so we've seen this, this sad buoyancy of stress and burnout that started to effervescent up to such a degree that it's unsustainable. So employers are having to really protect the workforce and just maintain well-being at the top of the agenda to just preserve the workforce. And actually, you know, a big focus area for me is looking at human energy. How do we preserve our human energy? Because for us to have impact, we need to ensure that we're all respecting our bio-individuality to be able to bring our most energised selves to the office or, or to working from home. But it's um, for organisations now to just really nurture that human energy, which is going to be different from one individual to the next. So yeah. it really is the burnout rate that is actually forcing employers to just look at what's right and what should this new cultural norm look like. Yeah, no, interesting. And obviously, you know, well-being continues to be the theme of 2023, you know, kind of alongside sort of productivity and well-being. And you know, in my view, you know, and I, I think you're probably going to express a counter view, but but in my view, it kind of runs counter to the desire to force employees back into the office. You know, for me, there's kind of a bit of a say-do gap emerging. You know, there's, there's well-being here and there's productivity here and there's the need to say, well, actually, 
home working was working for a lot of people and actually going back into the office, is that going to foster, encourage well-being? Um, you know, where, where, where do you kind of sit with this? You know, I know with your focus, particularly with your coaching and coaching and writing work, is, you know, to make sure people are able to operate at their peak productivity, as you've said, while mm. also balancing their well-being. So how, how can people make sure that well-being and productivity remain in balance? So we have very explicitly within Publicist Group made it known that autonomy sits with the employee. And straight after lockdown, um, we came up very publicly with our approach, which was a threefold approach to returning to what a new normal would look like. And it was a heads down, heads up and heads to get that approach. Okay. And this is really looking at the outcomes, the type of work that are required and heads down is that sort of deep thinking, desk research, presentation writing kind of work that actually generally is better completed at home in your quiet space where you're uninterrupted. So that's the, the heads down work. And we know a proportion of each week requires some heads down work. And then the heads up is where we need to connect with colleagues or clients. But it may be that there are various locations, different geographies around the world. So it makes sense to maintain the remoteness, but but come together in whichever way makes sense. And then the heads together is that in real life work. It's the brainstorming. It's where we want to physically be together, buzzing off each other and, and generating that new value that comes when you're physically together and feeding off each other's energy and ideas. So we've encouraged employees to, we've said around two to three days um, per week. That's that's the sort of ideal where we feel it's a good blend and we've not mandated it because we are absolutely protecting the employees to say your autonomy matters. And, and we know individually, the minute somebody mandates something, you feel like you're in prison and you want to rebel. So individual autonomy is something that we absolutely encourage to make maintenance of. And what has happened since we put this policy in place is actually we've seen more employees coming in around four days a week. So there seems to be a desire to gravitate back towards each other. And I don't know about you, Charlotte, but certainly for me, when there were endless stretches week after week, especially that January lockdown where I was just at home and and sort of getting myself psyched for the day was putting my slippers on and walking downstairs to my desk. It was really hard to stay motivated. And yet now on a Monday morning, when I get up and I put my little suit on and I come into the office and put my heels on, you know, I feel like I'm ready to show up. I feel more energized. I feel more motivated. So there's definitely that sense of new purposeful energy that comes when we all connect together physically. But it is up to the individual to say when they need a break and when they've got a lot of heads down work to do and then it's better to just work from from home or, or wherever is your space for the heads down work so we've really really maintained that the that the employee retains that control yeah I think that's really interesting you know this whole kind of notion of autonomy as being so central to engagement is obviously one that your organization has understood yeah uh, and, and and harnessed and and kind of so how have you um how have you managed to kind of what, what's your kind of communication strategy been like for getting people to understand the real, the, I guess, the, the purpose of each space for each function? Yeah, I mean, uh, we've been very public in the press about the, the, the different three heads 
uh, yeah, it's, it's a really, it's a very, very simple way to communicate. Actually, I think that's great. Yeah, exactly. So it's been all over the press. We have a large intranet, uh, Marcel, where employees can join uh, the the wellbeing community, and it's a notice board where we've been very, very explicit around answering all the questions that employees had. So. Um, I would say every line manager is very clear and can talk about the fact that we've got these three different realms of work and um, is managing, everyone's managing their teams per the work that needs to be delivered. I mean, I'm in a regional role, so I need to travel to lots of different markets. And it's been interesting actually dipping in to, to see how other markets have responded to the post-pandemic return to, to work. And generally across EMEA, we have seen this huge sort of gushy surge of we want to come back to be with each other. Conversely, in the United States, there's a massive reticence to come back. Um, and in New York, especially, um, there was a, a financial incentive that was introduced temporarily to encourage employees to come back. But even that has has faltered a little bit. That's really um, interesting. Yeah, and I was talking to my um, global head of talent this morning, actually, as a precursor to um, uh, our interview today, and was asking about that. And she said her belief, the general consensus belief is that the reason for that is the national narrative and the fear narrative in the US actually was more prevalent and lingered on. And actually, the US is one of the last countries in the world to have now said unvaccinated travellers can come in for instance. So there was a fear and a reticence that continued far more prevalently than in Europe, for instance. So so in that sense, you can understand that potentially there was a, a natural innate fear to go back because the media was warning you it might not be safe. So, so let's see what happens now that the US has changed their general national narrative um, around safety, if that does start to encourage more employees back. But I know here in Europe, we are buzzing and pulsing. And on a Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, it's very hard to find a meeting room because everybody's here. And um, I mean, I host a town hall once a month and I'll have sort of 30 to 40 people in the team. Everyone's here and we'll go out for, for drinks afterwards. And there's just that lovely connectivity and that energy that keeps us fresh and motivated. So I, I feel I honestly feel it's actually working. And, you know, I, as we often talk about, it's not easy, it's single parenting, uh, so many children. And um, actually, I really look forward to the days that I'm in the office and I'm with other people and that we're bouncing off each other is really energising and invigorating. Yeah, because I guess the problem is really, you know, and it's something that I've been thinking about since the pandemic, really, in kind of, you know, with, with Woodreads focus on on culture you know mm -hmm. how do you carry on fostering that sense of culture when actually you are sitting at home and you haven't got your colleagues to bounce ideas off and all those kind exactly. of you know the cultural rituals and routines that you have in the office yeah um, are just very very hard to replicate when you're trying to do it through through, exactly. through team and zooms exactly and I found even a couple of weeks ago we had a train strike here and so I had a whole week at home and actually, I really missed my colleagues. Of course, I'm still chatting to them yeah. on, on Teams, but I really missed the physicality of us all being together. So when I got in the office the following Monday, I just felt like hugging everyone. I've missed you. And it's interesting because we were still connecting. There's nothing like the physicality of actually coming together. No, this is it. You know, And I think maybe you know the answer is, is 
the publicist has done is really defining, like I said, kind of defining where 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 can you do your best work? You know, there was this really good phrase a while ago was kind of, you know, work where, wherever you're most productive. Yeah, well, that um, I write about this a fair bit is a new um, realm of science. It's called ecological psychology. Yeah. And it's about how naturally a certain environment will predispose us to um, optimum types of work, types of output. So for an Olympic swimmer, for instance, the minute they see that swimming pool, then it just hones their mind, body, soul into this is where I'm going to perform. Um, for someone like uh, Stephen King, when I was researching the last article I wrote, he has this uh, study and this zone where he plays loud rock music. He has a certain drink and this often it says all his paraphernalia around him. And the minute he's about to start his creative genius, it's boom, music goes on and that's it. He's in the zone. And so actually, if we analyze ourselves and look at the different types of work that we do, there will naturally be different environments that trigger us and inspire us to different types of work. So for me, coming into the office, it's about connectivity. It's about leadership. And so I feel invigorated by being in this environment. If I want to write, I need to be in a very peaceful, serene setting. I couldn't I couldn't be a writer in a, in a coffee shop. That's not me. I have to be at home in my beautiful desk and light a little candle and just have my little grounding ritual because that helps me get into that zone of the type of work that I want to do because of that environment. And it's so interesting that we can actually build this sort of natural receptivity to an environment which is why we always need to encourage our employees to, to take that ownership and take that self-awareness into where do you do the best work? And, you know, I'll have some people, when I published my last article, um, some readers got in touch with me and said, well, I do my most creative work in the office, whereas for me, my creative work is at home alone. And we're all so different. So it really is about tuning in to our uniqueness and, and what, what we respond to best and what inspires us where yeah absolutely and you know very much about employers um treating each of their employees as individuals and yeah. very much tapping into employee voice genuinely listening to employees and asking them asking them that question you know yeah. where 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 does their peak productivity lie yeah exactly that exactly that and there and there are going to be certain very obvious, I won't say mandates because we're not mandating anything, but there, if there is a brainstorm, a kickoff for a certain project, it's going to be better and more buoyant and effervescent if we're all physically together and it's going to happen in the office. And so there's that sort of natural observation of, well, we need to come together to do this, to produce this in that environment so there has to be a, a certain perhaps a compromise and a certain acknowledgement and, and some, yeah and some, and some structure and i mean it's not literally just about going each individual person kind of you know just you go and do whatever you want to do there has to be no. has to be a yeah. balance doesn't there between we've, we've tapped into employee voice to understand what they need and where they're most productive but at the same time we need structures and policies in place to make exactly. sure that it's not it's not it's not a, a free-for-all no, exactly. Exactly. And I think it's again, it comes back to that self accountability, self leadership, self management. So if, for instance, uh, a couple of weeks ago I was in Prague, I was hosting a conference for two days midweek. I knew I would be tired 
on the third day, I knew that all of that energy that had gone into hosting a conference and talking day and night, I knew that that third day I needed to be alone. I needed to be at home because I needed to rejuvenate. And if I had pushed myself and gone back into an office or travelled back from Prague and then come into London the next day and done the two-hour commute to come into the office, that would have pushed me. And I'm so aware that actually it would have been too much. And so I made the decision to then not come into the London office on that Friday because I needed to preserve me. So it's making those very conscious decisions around sustainable productivity and and that is something that I really do teach all of my staff and and any of the events that I host I talk about graceful productivity what does that mean graceful productivity is is the opposite of that frenetic panicky Mm -hmm. productivity that we all tricked into in that fear-based moment straight after the pandemic kicked off graceful productivity is where we deliver our highest contribution sustainably so we're not just pushing and pushing and striving and, and breaking ourselves, but we are delivering our best work because we've made conscious decisions around how and where and what that best work looks like. Okay, now how, how, how does that manifest um, in, term, in practical terms? How, how can you kind of help someone? You know, what, what are the steps that people need to take if they want to build maybe their own peak productivity plan? So um, the first thing is, so I have three areas that I talk about where we're sort of managing our own peak productivity. The first one is that environment, the ecological psychology I was talking about. The second one is ritual. So is there a kind of grounding exercise that, that pushes you into that type of work that you need to do? So for me, it might be high heels, being in the office or lighting a candle, writing at, at home. Um, and then there's also your chronotype. So we all have different um, hormonal rhythms. Some of us love getting up early in the morning. Others really struggle with that. And they're better later in the afternoon. And so actually becoming aware of your hormonal surges, your natural peaks um, and, and, and drops and dips, um, actually become aware of that and who you are and, and, and what your, your best productivity looks like. So, so that's, what, I, yeah. what I suggest to clients to do is break down the types of work that are required across a week. So there will be um, creativity spurts that are required. There will be admin spurts that are required. There will be different types of work that are required across any given week. And then think about where you can deliver those types of work best. And then as you look at your calendar, and this does take planning, take self-awareness and planning. As you look at your calendar, see what you can cluster together to do when. So if I know, for instance, I've done two days of conference hosting and I'm going to be feeling pretty whacked, but I still need to deliver work on that third day, I'll probably save the admin tasks that don't take too much cognitive effort to just sort of plow through clearing my inbox, for instance. So I'm very mindful of how I organize my weeks. And this enables me to fit in all the deliveries that I have, the deliverables I have, and I maintain impact really without breaking myself. And I'm very, very aware of building in that time that respects my bio-individuality. I know I need to exercise. I get energy from exercise, but I know on days where I've got a four-hour commute, two hours in, two hours out, I cannot exercise. So I will choose a walking route as part of my commute. So that's my little bit of exercise. If I'm at home, I make sure that as I clear an hour and a half at lunchtime to do a workout. So, I, you know, I organise my time prestigiously, and I really mean prestigiously, Sunday afternoon for me, are looking at my calendar possibly two weeks in advance 
um, because that works for me. And, and it's it's one of the ways that I have succeeded in suppressing and eliminating burnout from my life. And you, you know me too well, how we used to talk about the, the binky burnout, because yeah. my cycles of pushing myself and trying to be super mummy and super entrepreneur and super corporate lady actually I hurt myself a lot along the way and now I've really worked out how to maintain that through this careful planning it's so interesting you know and what you've highlighted so clearly is is the inextricable link between well-being and productivity so so you've kind of almost looked at your well-being first and understood yourself um in in terms of your whatever the word you use your hormonal your yeah your, your circadian rhythms yeah yeah all of that and, and you've looked at that first and you've gone right my well well-being is clearly paramount because yeah. without well-being there will be no productivity because all you will yeah. have is burnout yeah and then from that perspective you've then built a plan that yeah. satisfies the objectives that your business has from you but whilst respecting always your your well-being and your intrinsic understanding of yourself now for someone who isn't quite as far down the journey as you are in yeah. terms of maximizing productivity what are kind of some of the baby steps that people might want to take if yeah. from next monday they want to start thinking about productivity in the way that you've just described do you know why, where i would start actually is a lovely little exercise of actually just looking at what energizes you most right one of the biggest complaints across the board is i've got no energy i'm exhausted and too many of us hence the, the tripping into to burnout so actually take a look at yourself, look at your previous month and look at the the things, the types of work, the types of environments, the things that have energized you and just really start to get a clarity, a sense of clarity around where your energy actually comes from, because you can start to make subtle shifts very, very easily, um, whether it's the people that energize you, how can you make sure you're spending more time with those people? Whether there are tasks that drain and deplete you that could potentially be delegated or you can do on a sort of a low day, but you can organize your schedule. So I would really start with analyzing your own energy rhythms and just taking a look at that and then um, going back to that sort of categorizing the different work tasks that you have to do. And just organizing your week around when you are most energized and buoyant to do the work that requires the most energy. Um, and just really just taking ownership and have fun. Have fun looking at a life that is you, not passively being swept downstream by the whirlwind and the myriad of demands and tasks that hit us, but actually stepping into just t- making a little plan where you know you're optimizing your energy and thus your work will become sort of your highest contribution and you'll be so much happier and more fulfilled. And this really works, but it all starts with awareness and a little bit of time and planning. That's brilliant. Thank you. And you know what's what's funny though is that we had to wait for something as dramatic and traumatic as a pandemic for workplaces to do what yeah. really we yeah. should have always have done yeah. you know well, I would say that was more sort of it was actually in 2019 where the World Health Organization actually classified burnout as um, a global uh, issue so yeah. it was recognized that we are more stressed as a global entity than has ever been observed before and there are various reasons for that, but it's very clear that we need to be 
slowing down, leaning into graceful productivity. And one of the first programs that I launched was Maximum Impact Without Burnout. And I do feel more and more people are coming on that journey. And actually, I'd love to plug my book, Flourish, (laughs) Redefine Success and Create More Time, Energy, Impact and Happiness. Um, It really is a a six-step plan to maximize impact without burnout. And And where, where, where can people get hold of that, Bianca? It's on Amazon. And it's available in paperback and audio. So, uh, and please follow my blog on biancabest.com. Um, and I publish weekly articles on LinkedIn in my Flourish O'Clock newsletter, all around well-being and graceful productivity. And I would love to have conversations and hear from your listeners um, about any any issues, grumbles or successes. And I'd love to, love to converse around this topic. As you can tell, I'm very passionate about it. I know you are. I know you are. And it's been an absolute delight. I can't believe how quickly this half an hour has flown by. We knew it would. We knew it would. We knew, we knew it, it would. Talk yeah. all day. A really, a really great way to um to kick off people's Mondays. And hopefully once you've listened to this show, you could possibly start to um put some of Bianca's wise words um into action to make sure that you are truly operating at your peak productivity whilst respecting um your well-being. And as Bianca said, having fun along the way. So thank you so much to today's guest, Bianca Best. And um, don't forget, you can download or stream any of our other great shows from our archive at any time. Just visit engageforsuccess.org. And if you want to get involved in the movement, please, we'd love you to be involved. Get in touch at engageforsuccess.org. So goodbye, everybody. And thank you very much for listening to Engage for Success Radio. Goodbye. Engage for Success Radio, raising the profile of employee engagement and shining a light on good practice for people who believe there's a better way to work.